Carmen. Isaac Carmen's son. Oh my God. Yeah, who wrote the book, of course. Yeah, he's not from Naranda, but he's the son of someone of from Isaac Naranda. and Bernice Cormer. Right. That's Rosalie Mednick Nippon and her brother Saul Mednick, listing off some of the names of the Jewish people they grew up with in the tiny Jewish community in Rouen, Naranda, Quebec. It's a mining town that sprang up a century ago in the forests near the Quebec Ontario border. Rosalie and Saul's parents settled there because there was money to be made after the discovery of deposits of gold and copper ore in the 1920s. The Naranda mine opened and the Jews came to own the movie theaters and grocery stores, the ladies and menswear shops, the jewelers. There were also lawyers and dentists. It was a 10-hour bus ride through the bush from Montreal. The winters were brutally cold. The twin smokestacks of the Naranda mine spewed who knows what toxic chemicals into the air, and many people got asthma. But at its peak, about 45 pioneering Jewish families lived a vibrant Jewish life. They had a young Judea and a Sunday school, Hadassah, a kosher butcher, and a Hebrew teacher, even a rabbi who, by 1932, had opened the first synagogue. But then, after the Mednicks graduated from high school, they left to go to university in the city. And so did most of the community's young people. And they didn't come back. It was the time of what they called the Great Dwindle. By 1972, the shul closed. The building got sold to the Lions Club, who turned it into apartments. The facade of the synagogue is all that's left of the historic Jewish presence in Rouen, Naranda. But now, thanks to the Mednicks and the children of some other pioneering families, they've written a new book to preserve their town's vanished way of life. I want our children to know what kind of a, uh, what where our roots are. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is What Jewish Canada Sounds Like for Thursday, July 20th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. book came out in May. It was edited by Toronto historian Bill Gladstone. He's a former CJN contributor. Now we've put the link for you in our show notes so you can order the book. Among some of the most famous people with ties to Rouen Naranda are A.M. Klein, the Jewish poet who lived there for a while while he practiced law before returning to Montreal. Then there's the family of the late Saul Corman, who ran a Toronto menswear store on the Danforth. And award-winning author Gordon Corman, who's written nearly 100 books for kids, also, in women's fashion, there was Elizabeth Hager. She ran a ladies' wear store in Montreal. And joining me now to explain why they wrote the book are Rosalie Mednick-Nippon, her brother Saul Mednick, and they're on Toronto, and from Montreal, the rabbi's son, Dr. Isaac Katz. It's good to be here, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations, folks, on this lovely book about the history of the community where your families and you guys grew up. First of all, I want to know how this whole idea to write this book came about. Anyone can start. I, I'll start. I thought of it, oh, about 10, 15 years ago. It seemed to me that we had to prove to someone that we existed because there are no more Jews in Naranda. There's nothing Jewish there at all except our shul, which is standing and is a... Um, a site, people are sent to that site when they're directed in the town. And I felt it, it would be a terrible loss if we didn't have some kind of uh, mem- memorandum or memory of, of the shul, of the town. So that's when I started thinking about it. And life went on without me working on the book. And then I decided a couple of years ago, I'd asked my brother to join me. 
And that's when the, the book started flying, when Saul joined me. Saul, go on and tell well, when, when I took when I got involved, I started calling a lot of the families. And finally, I was getting letters and histories of the Jewish families and where their families came from and the background of them. But it took me a while. Over the past two years, we created over 35 to 40 stories uh, about the, each family. And, and, and their I, own stories written by themselves. And, and it also included the hero. We have a, sp a special chapter in War Heroes. Isaac, how did you get involved in this project? So I got a call from Saul, and I was delighted to get involved because my father was the first rabbi who went to Rouen in 1930. And uh, although um, he died when I was turning eight, um, I recognize his contribution to the community and the courage and wisdom he had, the vision to leave Romania uh, and leave his, my mother and three children and, and escape really from Romania to get to England and then eventually to Canada. So um, I felt that being the youngest in the family, uh, I, I felt an obligation, a duty to record his life and history. To me, it uh, represents a uh, like uh, checking one of the boxes that I w wanted to accomplish in my life besides uh, life itself. And uh, so that's my story. I so Isaac remember you were also a school teacher in Naranda High School. Uh, after I graduated McGill BSc and before I went into dentistry, I was a high school teacher and um, I taught one year uh, at Naranda High School after uh, 64. The teaching was sort of part of my DNA. My father was a teacher and, uh, and I guess uh, apples don't fall too far from the tree, as they say. For people who don't know, where Rouen Naranda is, yes. how far away from like the big smoke from Toronto, from Montreal, Winnipeg is this place? From Timmins to Naranda, it's a couple of hours. Valdor is 67 miles. From Montreal, it's 425 miles northwest. It's an eight hour car drive. It's halfway to James Bay. It's really up there in northern Quebec. Right. Why did the Jewish people first come to Naranda, Rouen? What was the the political and religious economic reasons of how they first came there? My understanding was because the mining industry had gold, copper, lead, silver, and zinc. The government of Canada was guaranteeing $35 an ounce for gold. So there was people going to the mines. And that was the one, I think that was one of the reasons why many of the uh, Jewish people moved, uh, came, came to uh, Ruan Naranda, there was an opportunity there to to have to have businesses and to have a, to raise a family. It was during the depression, and certainly people had work there, and they could make a living, which is what they had come for, anyways, to to Canada. Right, but these weren't the Jews didn't go into the mines and actually be miners, right? And that's something yeah, I no, would explain. No, there was one or two of them did. Sifkin was an underground miner. There was one. And Mike Smith. Mike Smith yeah. worked at the mines yeah. in the summer, yes. Now, in the book, I understood that most, the so there's twin town, twin cities, or I guess twin towns. Yes. yes. Connected by a lake. Yes. And yes. where did the Jews all live? Did they all live in the English side and they didn't live in the French side? How did that work? It, it was, uh, some what? lived in Rouen, some lived in Naranda. 
uh, I we lived in an English part of town. Uh, Isaac, I don't know. Uh, right. Major, so we, we lived in Rouen uh, all all along, start to finish. But the, where was the synagogue? Was it which side was it on? Which it, it was in Naranda, um, up the road from the hospital. And uh, it's really uh, quite a story. And uh, and thankfully, it's a happy story because although most of us in Rouen, Naranda suffered losses in the Holocaust. I know my mother lost her entire family except for one sister. And uh, uh, th this was at least a happy ending. When my mother arrived in uh, Quebec City in uh, 1932 on the Empress of Australia. And, uh, and she took the train to Senator, which was a mining town north of Quebec City. And then it was horse and buggy into Rouen Naranda. And she got out of the buggy into mud and my mother used to walk the streets of Vienna with her grandfather who worked for the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the bureaucracy there and uh, she used to walk the the uh, the strazes the boulevards of, of Vienna and this must have been quite a shock to her but being a devoted wife and Jewish mother uh, she did what she had to do that was her duty to be with her husband and her family and uh, that's my side of the story, and I'm sure that it's reflected in most of the families who went to Rwanda to earn their living and in a safe environment and maintain their Yiddishkeit. My father was a shaykhat there as well. We were among the chosen is what the words I feel are appropriate to, to describe what, what happened for us. Isaac, I want to ask you, so your father was the rabbi, the shoichet, basically provided for the, the entire kosherness of the community way up north from um, where you could get kosher meat down in Toronto or Montreal, right? That was that was uh, how they, they were able to do that locally, were they not? Or did they no. have to import? Oh, did they have we did import. Friday morning, ice, ice on dry ice. It would come on dry ice every week and uh, people would get their orders. Um, in our case, we had a grocery store and, and we had a huge freezer. So my dad would put our meat in the freezer. And we also had kosher meat too, which shipped to us by Swift's Canadian. My dad ordered a quarter side beef and uh, we would cut it up and we share it and share it. And share we'd, it yeah. And we'd have kosher meat. Uh, now, uh, Mednix, I, I want to ask you about your family. How did they get to Rouen, Naranda? What's your family's origin there? They they came from um, David Haraduk. David Haraduk in Belarus, and they came by on the ship called the. Do you remember the name of the ship? I have it written down yourself. Anyways, they came on the ship to to Pier Twenty One, and my dad's brother had come to Timmins to earn money. He brought my father, Carl Cigars, and then and I'm going yeah. to interrupt you for a moment. When my dad was living in Naranda, he was working for a cousin. Joe Corman in his grocery store. And during that period of time, he became friendly with the postmaster, a Gentile by the name of Pete Furlock. And he told Mr. Furlock he'd like to open up his own grocery store, but he has no money. So Pete Furlock said, you come with me, Sam. We're going to go to the Royal Bank and I'm going to guarantee you a five, $500 loan so you can get started. So that's how my father got started in the in the grocery business of his own and his own building with a loan from a Gentile, I thought that's, that's very worthy of mentioning. mentioning. So, you know, in those days, 
there was anti-Semitism in Canada in the 30s, of course, the 40s. But you were up in um, in Rouen, Naranda, away from Toronto and the Christie Pitts riots, for example, yeah. which yes. people know. And Montreal had its own problems with the uh, French-Canadian Catholics. So how are relations, what was the anti-Semitism like where you lived? I feel personally, my interpretation of events in Rouen, Naranda, is that the the hardcore anti-Semites were a distinct minority. And I don't even think that they were respected within their own community because of their conspiracy theories and, and such. So the, the non-Jewish population and the Jewish population got along very well. And I think that is a very uh, positive thing that we should be proud of uh, as to the tolerance and the understanding of the French Canadian people who welcomed our, our folks here when they came over and they didn't boycott us. What about you guys, Mednix? What languages did you speak at home growing up in uh, in Rwanda? <laughs> I, I I spoke English and I, I still speak Jewish fluently. And when we had no religious teacher, my father insisted that I write a page of Jewish every day from right to left. So I can still write Jewish, but I, I speak fluently. And when my father wanted to talk to my mother, so I couldn't understand. They were talking to Polish. Yeah, I'm the same way. I They spoke to us in Yiddish, and we answered them in English, yeah. of course. But I speak Yiddish fluently, and um, and thank, thank you for that, because I love reading the Yiddish in the old Canadian Jewish news. There always was a page of Yiddish, and I always enjoyed reading it, and I miss it. Uh, Good point. But- we'll, have to, we'll have to bring that up to the boss. What was daily life like for you? Let's talk about your memories of, you know, going to school, going to Cheder, things like that. So uh, that was it. We went to school and we went to Cheder five days a week. And our teachers, uh, whoever was our teacher, was also the ritual and um, religious director of the of the shul in the town. The uh, the rest of the weekend, we were we had a very active young Judea. Uh, organization in which we had junior, intermediate, and senior groups. Every Sunday morning, there were meetings, there were lectures, there was music, there was arts and crafts, there was dance, rikudim, and Hebrew. And this went on all the time. Many of the children went to Camp Shalom, which is a Zionist camp. And from Camp Shalom, they graduated to Biluim and to Sololim. Hakshama was the was the Young Judea camp, mostly children from Montreal. So I'll tell them the story about you and Hakshama. What's the story? <laughs> you left oh. camp. You ran away. Oh, from camp. I was I was at Camp Hakshama and got homesick. I didn't like it there, and I ended up jumping into a bag of laundry that I had to go to Ottawa. So they didn't couldn't find me until I got to Ottawa. And when I got to Ottawa, I jumped out of the laundry bag and I made my way back home from Ottawa to Naranda. And the camp was concerned, worried. They couldn't find me, didn't know where I was. Oh my God. So Saul um, and Rosalie, can you describe how things changed and when that was that the community could no longer go forward? Why, why did that happen? I moved. Uh, I moved uh, to Toronto, nineteen fifty-two. I left Toronto. I left Naranda in fifty-five. The kids left the town once they graduated from high school, and the parents slowly followed. And as has happened in all the small towns, and we were not there 
So the kids left in the 50s and 60s yes. to go to university and the parents. So that, then the synagogue had nobody, not a minion. And then everybody, who was the last Jew to still live there? Andy you know? Rice. Andy Rice, yeah. And yeah. you're sure there's no Jews, Israelis, uh, immigrants there now? No, no there's no, nobody there nobody, now. Nobody, nobody. And were there intermarriages when you guys were growing up? I mean, because you said it was such an insular. You said every cousin's married cousins. Yeah. So where did people find life partners? Mostly when they left the town. They were... Toronto, uh, Montreal. Mostly. Uh, there, there was the odd intermarriage, but Who? really, I... Sylvia. Sylvia Scott. Married Birch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sylvia, Mary Bird, and uh, Ka- uh, what's his name? Kitty Katz. And then what happened to all the stuff in the synagogue? Where are the Torahs today? Where's uh, all the stuff? There's one Torah that's in the museum at Baycrest. The cover of the Torah was bought, uh, purchased by my father, and that's in the museum at Baycrest. Um, there is one Torah in Hamilton. The Corman Torah, that one's in Hamilton. The lights uh, were were donated in honor of my grandparents, and Saul has given them to the Beaches Shul here in the Toronto. Yeah. Okay, and the rest I don't know. Well, I can add to that. Uh, oh, Sid Ritter told me that the light over the or the, the bima where the Torah were, or the, yeah. the Torahs were that light uh, that's on all the time. Uh, is in a synagogue in Winnipeg in oh. uh, in a in a summer synagogue, so it's awesome. still it's still functioning to the present day. You guys are the keepers of this legacy. So why did you want this book to come out when there's nobody left up there? You know, where do you think this book is going to live in in uh, in the history of Jewish Canada? Our our children are interested in the book and have called me. My cousin's daughter called me to say she can't put it down. She just loves it. My own daughter has said to me, thank God you talked to me about all these people because I know who they are and I know what the life was like, but it's good to read about it. There's a wonderful story that I, that I, 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 I will tell you. I got a letter about three weeks ago from a non-Jew who told me who was married to a non-Jew from Naranda. And she told me that um, she read the book and she loved it and that her grandfather was Jewish. And have we come across his name anywhere in our research? And would we let them know if we do come across our name, his name? It was Rosenberg. We haven't come across that name. But this book seems to have been going in places that we never even imagined. I feel that this book is the result of our duty to record the history of our families in Rua Naranda. And as we end our lives on this earth, at least we know that uh, we have done what was required to make sure that our families will not be forgotten. What I want to leave is that it was a happy, happy childhood. And we all, most of us, I can't speak for everybody, most of us, Uh, when we speak amongst each other, feel that it was a good, solid, happy childhood that you could never have gotten anywhere else. And this book, it's a labor of love. It was a total labor of love. Yeah. 
And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Gary Kamaguchi of Toronto. He's a long-standing volunteer with the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Centre. I'm off to Montreal for the weekend where I'll be interviewing the chief rabbi of France, Chaim Corsia. He's in Canada to meet with members of the Sephardic Jewish community in Montreal and Ottawa. So listen for that story next week. Thank you.